Okay. So Isaac, he's really messed up, right? But then again, so have we. Then what happens? Does God come down and rebuke him? And verse 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks possessions of herds and a great number of servants and so the Philistines envied him now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had done, dug in the days of Abraham his father and they filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Very interesting. Because Isaac was the one who was fearful in the beginning. And now Abimelech is fearful. It shifted. Verse 17. And then Isaac departed from there. He pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And so he called the name of the well Essek because they quarrelled with him. And then they dug another well. They quarrelled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. And so he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Bathsheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you, multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Okay, and stop right there. And you go, wow, this is a pretty long story. But it's got some real nuggets in here. And one of the things we're going to see in here is what is the most valuable thing? What's valued? What are they looking for here? They're all looking for water. Water. And you know, you think, water? But if you read last Sunday Times, last week, you will see that water is one of the most valued resources on the planet. You know what, you can have gold and silver, but if you've got no water, guess what? You're going to die. Water is a very valued um, substance. And it says here in verse 1 that there was a famine in the land. There was a famine. Nothing was growing because obviously there was no water. Or there was very little water. That's why the wells are so important. That's why you should um, situate yourself well. And so Isaac's thinking, okay, there's a famine. Now, my dad, Abraham, 
when there was a famine before, he went down to Egypt and everything was okay. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do what my father did. But then God speaks to him. This is the first record of God speaking to Isaac. God says, no, no, don't do that. Don't go down there. Stay here. Whoa. That doesn't make sense. Stay in the land where there's famine doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes God doesn't make sense to us. But he says this, if you will stay here, then I'm going to bless you. Just like I blessed your father. He didn't say, if you stay here, I will bless you. He just said, stay here and I will bless you. Because he knew, he knew that Isaac would actually stay there and obey him. God knows what's in our hearts. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows if we're going to obey him or not. Yeah? He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so he said, but I'm also going to bless you, not because of your own obedience, but because of your father. It's very, very important as a father or to have a father or an uncle or a grandfather, somebody who will cover you, who will protect you, someone who is obeying God, because if they're obeying God, the blessings will also filter down to you. But it's also your responsibility to obey the Lord as well. You can't just pray and say, oh, God bless me, if you're in obedience to the Lord, disobedience to the Lord. But he's saying, if you stay here, I'm going to bless you, and because of your father's obedience, like almost a double blessing. And so he's just uh, letting him know that he, God is with him. And then as soon as God lets him know, Isaac knows God is with him. God has spoken. Wow! You think that his faith would be way up high. Great level of faith. But then, suddenly fear grips him. He thinks, my wife is so beautiful. Rebecca's beautiful. All these guys are going to kill me because they will want her as a wife. See, guys. And um, so he thinks, oh, I'll tell a lie. Just a little white lie. So he tells and says, oh, she's my sister. She's my sister. Fear gripped him. Interestingly, it's the same fear that gripped his father. Abraham, his father, also lied about Sarah. <laughs> and so now the lies perpetuated in the son. The same weakness that was in the father was in the son. It's why it's so important to keep yourself strong because those same weaknesses will be visited upon the children and grandchildren. And so he tells this lie to protect himself first. Not her, to protect himself first, right? And then of course he gets, he gets sprung. <laughs> and he sees, the Bimley looks through the window and sees him hugging, kissing or whatever his wife and goes, whoa, that is not your sister. That is not your sister. It has to be your wife. And he's saying, why have you put us in jeopardy like this? Was he very angry? Did he punish him? Did he say that to him, get out of here? No, he didn't. He was actually quite merciful. Sometimes unbelievers show more mercy than Christians do. 
not all, but some. So he was very merciful here. And interestingly enough, was this a huge sin in the eyes of God? I guess it wasn't at the time because God knew he was trying to protect himself. God understood that the messianic line was coming through Isaac and grace covers a multitude of sins. Yeah? So then God begins to bless Isaac. Why? Because Isaac was perfect and totally obedient? No. Because the hand of God and the call of God was on him. And the hand of God and the call of God is on every single one of us. And we may mess up sometimes, but I'm telling you, we can get back on track. We can get back on track. And God can still bless us. He blessed him a hundredfold in the same year that he sowed. That is amazing. Not only did he begin to prosper, there was levels. It says he began to prosper. He continued to prosper and he became very prosperous. You know, there's levels of blessing and prosperity that comes from the Lord. Don't settle like, oh yes, I've made it. There's always more in God. Like we were saying, I want to know you more. You know, there's more to know about God. There's so much more. When you discover a little bit, you realise how much more that there is to learn. And so here he is, being blessed by, by the Lord, the mercy of Abimelech and then the mercy of God as well. It's interesting here too, it says he sowed. He was actually a herdsman. He was a herdsman, pretty much a wanderer. But now he's situated in this place and he begins to do something that he hasn't done before. He becomes a, a, a sower, a tiller of the land. And he begins to sow. And he was successful in that. So he was a shepherd, but now he's become a farmer. And interestingly, this is the first mention also of sowing and harvesting. Sowing and reaping. And he was doing something that he wasn't familiar with. And you know, sometimes when God asks us to do things that we're not comfortable with, we're not familiar with, or that don't quite seem to make sense, sowing in a famine, and yet he gets a hundredfold blessing, that can only be God. That can only be God. And you might think you're in a situation that seems impossible, but I'm telling you, he's sowing prayer. You sow in whatever God's told you to sow into that situation. Sow love, sow compassion, sow prayers, sow wisdom, whatever it is you need to sow in that situation. And you can reap from something that looks impossible. Absolutely impossible. Because God is the God of the increase. And then we come to the situation where he's got so many flocks and herds and everything. He obviously needs water to, fit, to, to water them. And so he begins to dig the wells that his father Abraham had dug many years ago. Why does he have to redig them? Because in verse 15, it says the Philistines had stopped them up. In other words, they'd thrown rocks and sticks and all kinds of rubbish in the wells to block the wells so that he couldn't uh, water his sheep. Why did they do that? Well, it said in verse 15, that they were, verse 14, that they were jealous 
They envied him. See, he was blessed and they were jealous. And when you get blessed, sometimes people get jealous. Even Christians sitting in a church sometimes, when you're blessed, you go, oh, that's not fair. Why are you blessing them, not me? You know what? Rejoice when others are rejoicing. Don't get jealous. Don't get envious. Don't start throwing sticks and rocks in their wells, okay? Right. So here we've got, they've filled up the wells with rocks and sticks and everything. They're trying to block the blessings. The enemy will always try and block the blessings from the Father's wells. And then like in verse 16, I was saying, before Isaac was fearful, but now God has blessed him and he's multiplying and he's prosperous and doing well. Now Abimelech is jealous of him. He's afraid of him. He's saying, go away, go away. And so guess what verse 17 says? Isaac departed. He left. That was a smart thing to do. Sometimes you've just got to step away from situations and let God deal with it. Yeah? You've just got to step back and let God deal with it. Sometimes it's just not worth fighting for. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Pick your battles, okay? But in this one, the battle belonged to the Lord. So Isaac departed and he went to some other wells that he's, he's thinking, okay, that's all right, because I know Dad dug some wells over there. So he went over there. Guess what? There was more problems. Okay, I'll go over there. So he went over to this well. Dug, dug, dug. He said, what does Essek mean? It means quarrels. There was more quarrels. Okay, leave that one. Go and dig over here. He was very persistent. He didn't stand there and fight. He probably could have outnumbered them. They probably could have had a good old fight and he could have won. But he knew that the Lord was saying, no, it's not worth it. Move there, move there, move there, move there. And so as he did that, the last one that he comes to, in verse 22, so they've had all these quarrels come up. One of the wells, Essek, means contentious or quarrel. The next one was Sitna, which means enemy or hatred. And so you see the progression of the animosity and the negative emotions. It's gone from arguing and quarreling to contention, to hatred. You know, that's very violent, strong, negative emotions. It's getting really bad. It's getting really bad. So he moves again. In verse 22, it says, He moved from there, dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. They've got the breakthrough. Why? Why? Because they obeyed the Lord in continuing to move. And then was the enemy pushing them out? No. It was actually God leading them closer and closer because each well that they went to was actually closer to the promised land. And sometimes we can see things as opportunity, we see it as an opposition, but it's actually an opportunity to move closer and closer to the promises of God. Closer to the promises of God. 
He was moving each time closer and closer to the promised land, the land that God was giving to him. And then he calls this one in verse 22, Rehoboth, because he says, For now the Lord has made room for us. We don't feel restricted anymore. We don't feel crushed or opposed or locked in. Oh, I've got room. I've got space. I can breathe. And you know, there's sometimes the situations in our lives where we find that we're in a really constricted or restricted place. It could be in your workplace. It could be somewhere along in your career decisions. It could be in you know, relationship issues, and you feel like you're really restricted and crushed in, and you think it's the enemy's fault, but it's actually God leading you to something better, to a place where you feel, oh, I've got room, I've got space, I can move, I feel, I feel free, I feel unrestricted, I feel good. This feels good, this feels right. And sometimes, you know, naturally, some of us would want to fight for the first well and stay there and fight for something that wasn't worth fighting for. Instead of allowing God, every time there is a no in our lives, it doesn't mean it's the devil trying to stop us. It means it's God directing us to something better. Yeah? Most of us don't like to hear no, but sometimes it's the best and the safest thing we can ever hear. So this was what was happening. It was like, no, 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 yes. Yes. And there is a big yes for all of us. There's a big yes for all of us. The Lord has made room for us. We'll be fruitful in this land. Wow, that's great. So what does he do? Does he settle down there? No. Verse 23, he leaves there. What's going on? Verse 23, it says he went up from there to Bathsheba. He didn't stay there. He went somewhere else. It says he went up. Very interesting. It wasn't all about the well and the water, the natural provision. There was something even greater. He went up from there. And verse 24 says, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the Lord your God, the Lord God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. I am with you. Bless you. Multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And so he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there his servants dug a well. Very interesting. Before, the focus was on digging the wells. Got to get the water. Got to get the water. Got to have the natural provision. Got to have that stuff. Got to have those things. But now, when he has what he needs, he's got the water, what does he do? He leaves. And God leads him somewhere else. He goes up. Goes up to Bathsheba. And the first thing he does, does he dig a well there? No. The first thing he does is he builds an altar. He builds an altar and he pitches a tent, takes care of the family, the kids, whatever's going on in that. Then they begin to dig the well. 
His priorities had totally changed. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So he sought the Lord. He built an altar, then he pitched his tent, and then they began to dig. That was the same day he left there and he went there. God speaks, he builds an altar, puts up the tent, the servants dig, and within that short period of time, on the same day, something amazing happened. Abimelech, the one who was so mad at him and said, get away from us. Yeah? Abimelech comes to visit and says, we know that God is with you. In fact, let's make an agreement that you don't destroy us. Let's make an agreement. And so now he's asking for mercy. He gave mercy, now he's asking for mercy. And uh, Isaac agreed to it. And in verse 30, uh, let's have a look at verse 20, 29. This is what Abimelech says. He says, I've seen that God is with you. Now do us no harm since we've not touched you, since we've done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. They're acknowledging God. These are unbelievers who are acknowledging God has done great things in their lives. And he's saying, let's make a deal. Don't harm us. I showed you mercy. You show me mercy. I know God has blessed you. And so they make an agreement and he leaves in peace. Immediately when that has happened, in verse 32, it says, It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they dug and said to him, We have found water. We have found water. And to find water that quickly was unusual. But the amazing thing was, when he, the same day that God spoke to him, he built an altar and they found water. The key thing was, it wasn't all about the water. It was about the altar. It's about building the altar. And why is water so important? Water is important to us too. We've got to dig the wells to get the water. What's the water in our lives? The water of the Word and the water of the Spirit. The water of the Word and the water of the Spirit. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 just to confirm that. And this is what our priorities need to be too. To seek the Lord. Because he's already given us the water. We've got to tap into it. You know that? He's given us the water. We've just got to tap into it. In Ephesians chapter 5, the water of the word. In verse 26 it says, well let's go to 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So the word of God is like water. It's life, it cleanses, it washes. That's why we need to have the word of God continually in our lives. To wash us, to give us life, to cleanse us. And then in John chapter 7, John chapter 7, 
the water of his spirit, the water of his Holy Spirit. John chapter 7, um, verse 37, this is what Jesus says. He says to them, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water. So there's the water that we have. But we've got to tap into it. The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. And the last scripture I want to go to, because sometimes we think, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. So hard to read the Word sometimes. It's so hard to get into the presence of God. It's so hard to build that altar, to have that quiet time, to really press in. But in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, God has already provided the water. It's there. He's given to us through salvation. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy. You know, we need to look forward to reading the Word and spending time with God. Not that it's just a religious duty that we have to do, but with joy, because God is going to speak to us, that God is going to change things in us, that we're going to learn, we're going to be transformed through the Word and through His Spirit, both as an individual and then as we come together corporately. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The living water is in us. The Word of God is right before us. We have access. We should never, never die because we've got access to water all the time. Isn't that amazing? But there are some whose life is like a desert. The water is right there. They're not digging down and accessing what God has already given to us. Yes, amen. Lord, I thank you that the wells of salvation are within us when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Lord, we are wells through salvation that comes from you. You say with joy we are to draw out the water. With joy. Mother, I pray for each one that's feeling like everything is a task. It's difficult. It's hard to read your word. When the enemy comes to block up our wells with stones and sticks of unforgiveness, rebellion, discouragement, whatever it might be, all these sticks and stones and things that try and block up the well. 
Lord, I pray that you would come right now and just remove so there'll be a free flow. Free flow. The waters would flow. Rivers of living water would flow out from us. The refreshing would come. The cleansing and the washing will come. Wash us clean, Lord. Sanctify us. Set us apart by your word. Let your word just bring faith and strength into us. Let your spirit flow out and bring life to all those around us. Lord, let us be an oasis in the desert of life. The people would come to us as they came to Jesus. We have the words of wisdom. We'd have those words of knowledge. We'd have insight and discernment. We'd have a word from heaven. A word from heaven that will turn things around. And not all of us are like Isaac. We've got weaknesses. We make mistakes, but still your hand is upon us. Still your blessing is there. Father, as each of us sow, let us reap a hundredfold blessing. There may be a famine around us, but Lord, when we sow, we shall reap because your hand is upon us for good. There's nothing impossible with you. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us the ability to know when to stay and when to go. To fight or to depart because you're leading us to something better. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just encourage each one tonight. Just encourage us, Lord. Lord, we just decide that we're going to begin to dig deeper deeper. Lord, the riches lay beneath the surface. Lord, people look for gold and diamonds and oil and precious stones. But Lord, you are the most precious. Lord, we dig deep for you. We dig deep for you.
It's an effort sometimes. That's what it feels like sometimes when you're praying. <laughs> but it's all worth it. Ten kilometres they carry water every day. But a shared journey is more enjoyable. See, they're smiling. It looks like hard work to us, doesn't it? I mean, we carry a book on our heads and it's heavy. <laughs> Look at that. That's why it's important to dig your wells together and dig a well together as well. That's what we're doing as a church. We're digging a well. Find the treasures of the Lord. That's Lainey in Kenya. <laughs> and that's a well behind her. And we would have to wind it up. It was 70 metres deep. We would have to wind it up to do our get the water for our washing. It wasn't easy. But I tell you, when you've got the water bucket up there, it's like, yay! And we washed our clothes in it. That was in Kenya. So let's dig deeper. The water of the Word, the water of the Holy Spirit, flowing in us, flowing through us. Thank you. If anyone needs...